Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the Riptide. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. Ah, uh, yes. So what do, you, what do we got for him today, Jamil? <laughs> We've jumping right in. You're just jumping like a, right rip, in. You know, little foreplay. <laughs> oh, how you feeling? Oh yeah, true. That's true. I, 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 t- I people tell me I tend to jump in too soon. Jump right on. Yes. Jump right on to the topic and uh, a little too eager. Yeah, a little, a little too, too eager. eager. <laughs> yeah. No, not enough foreplay, as it were. Foreplay? Well, uh, I mean, you want the show to last, right? True, right, yeah. You want to fill an hour, don't you? <laughs> Try to save the good stuff for the end and the middle. You beginning. know who really appreciates foreplay? Who's that? Our good friend John Blickman. Ah. I think, uh, you know, he's... I would not I'm assu- guess that. I'm assuming. I'm assuming. <laughs> I don't really know, but he seems like a, a caring and gentle lover. Seems like a patient man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, used to disappointment. And, yeah. Right. He, he, he puts up with us, which is is a good sign of his kind, gentle right, uh, spirit right. working with uh, special needs folks like us. Um, <laughs> I think we are especially needy. Yes, and, yeah. Uh, and, and especially uh, challenging. Yeah. We, we present we a need, challenge. We need brewing equipment that's uh, geared for special people like good, ourselves good segue man huh? thank there you, you go thank yeah you. Uh, well this is speaking of special needs and brewing equipment uh our, our good friend here uh, porno steve has uh, received a brew easy mm-hmm. from blickman and uh has uh, amassed a giant pile of fire brick on the roof of his house <laughs> where he uh lights off a giant flame what do you neighbors think when they see you on top of the roof so it's with it's this flame it's the highest house already uh-huh. on a hill uh-huh so, so and, and I so and I put it in a place. It's a really big roof because it's a five. It's a five bedroom, uh-huh. like wide uh-huh. kind of deal. So it's it's a very wide roof. Uh-huh. So you can't see if you're on the street looking uh-huh. up right. on the house. You oh, have to be like far, like across, like. And they see like, this guy on the roof, and they can't really tell what's going on. But you see flames, yeah, and so I, I hide it. I hide it. Some very well. it's, questionable it's, looking dude running around on the roof with flames, okay. and then uh, <laughs> and then too short a piece of tubing to uh, yeah. reach the fermenter. Yeah, um, yeah, it sounds like a beautiful setup. It's it's really, it's really cool. It actually easy. is pretty cool. I think the brew easy is is the great part, and then. It, it just goes to show that it's it's no matter how good the equipment, sometimes uh, 
You've got to be creative. <laughs> That's know, right. You've always you been. Have to, it's you like, have to figure out something. Be prepared you know, for that. Uh, yeah. Uh, just because y- y- you buy a Porsche doesn't mean that you, you know how to drive on the Audubon. There I'm you saying. go. Very right. true. There you that's go. A good, that's a good point. <laughs> good analogy. There you go. But uh, if you want the Porsche of, uh, of brewing equipment, you want the, uh, the Blickman Engineering. Uh, yeah, brew easy. Yeah, yeah that's, it's uh, great stuff. Uh, compact, fast, easy, uh, powerful. Oh, yeah. Everything it is really easy to clean. There you go. When that that is pretty cool. I, I can't tell you how important that is. In oh yeah, you mm-hmm. know, because do you want to spend your time cleaning, or do you want to spend your time, you know, enjoying beer and brewing mm-hmm. and all the all the yeah. cool stuff? Uh, the brew easy and a lot of the uh, Blickman Engineering stuff will make your day brew day much easier, yeah. much more productive, a lot more fun, a lot more cool. And you can see all those things on BlickmanEngineering.com. Go check them out today. Uh, and while you're at it, send. Uh, our good friend John Blickman an email feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com and tell him uh, how much you appreciate that he pays for the show so you don't have to. All right. uh, Let's see. Uh, Yeah, John, to answer your question, we are going to talk about uh, you you had uh, uh, brought up the subject of uh, water kind of water handling or water processing in the in the commercial brewery. Right. And uh, uh, when we were talking about it, I also mentioned how I did that also as a home brewer. Yeah, which I thought uh, was interesting. Because our water was pretty bad where I was at, and uh, it got really bad uh, certain times of the year, especially you know in the in the summer, where it was almost unusable. And so right. I was uh, collecting up RO water then for brewing, and uh, pretty. So yeah. I think it's a topic that applies both to the home brewer and the commercial brewer. Yeah. Well, how it came about was I often get uh, emails about brewing water mm-hmm. uh, from various small breweries and uh, home brewers, and uh, the question typically goes where they've they've uh, owned a brewing system of whatever size for six months up to two years, and now they're thinking uh, that they may need an RO system mm-hmm. to smooth out the minerals in the brewing water. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll send me their water report. Sometimes their water is really fine and they don't need the RO system. Other times, like recently, um, Brewer sent me his water report and his alkalinity was off the charts practically, hmm. uh, around 400 ppm as calcium carbonate, mm-hmm. which is really high. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so the only really way, the only good way to address that um, and high levels of sodium and chloride is to put in an RO system mm-hmm. um, because um, while you can, if the problem is only total alkalinity, you could treat that with acid, mm-hmm. just inline dosing or uh, having a cold liquor tank or a hot liquor tank that you would treat a bat, large batch of water with acid, get the get the alkalinity out. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the case of high sodium and chloride, uh, though the only good way to remove those is with reverse osmosis. You mm-hmm. need that very, very fine membrane that can screen out those ver- these very small ions. Mm-hmm. Sodium and chloride are, are tiny compared to, say, calcium and and, al- and carbonates and other larger uh, ions. So, yeah, you need an RO system for that. Of course, RO water 
is very corrosive mm-hmm. um, because it's you know mineral free and it wants to absorb iron and other in chrome and very corrosive to stainless steel. So yeah, you need uh, plastic or uh, HDPE type mm-hmm. uh, plastics to contain it. Um, so as you as as often happens, you get into this discussion with the brewer. They typically only have like a three vessel um, brewing system mm-hmm. consisting of you know the the hot liquor tank, the mash lauder ton, and the boil kettle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, they often need to buy a cold liquor tank to hold the RO water mm-hmm. until they're ready to use it. Um, because otherwise you'd spend a, a lot of money putting in a very large RO system that could deliver Go the on volume demand, right? yeah, on demand. So uh, that's often mm-hmm. a consideration. Mm-hmm. I've also run into a number of breweries that don't even have hot liquor tanks. What they have is like a hot water on demand system. Right. And so, yeah, how do you, how do you treat that right. for, for you know, adding salts or mm-hmm. acidifying water? So that's another mm-hmm. layer of complexity to the issue. Because you can't really uh, run uh, hot water through an RO system. Right. And you can't, you can't, uh, uh, you don't necessarily want to run RO through the hot, the hot water, instant hot water heater either. Right. That would be very aggressive. Yeah. yeah, With uh, the heat and uh, RO water could, could really damage that. So you need to store it up and mix it. Um, Yeah. So, you know, when, when you um, aren't using RO water or if you're using treated water, if you use RO water and you add your minerals to it to make a base water, you can store it in, in a stainless tank as well. Right. And one of the easiest things to do, I think, for a commercial brewer is um, to um, use a fermenter. So oh. often you have fermenters that are already glycol cooled. And you can just take one of your fermenters and dedicate it as a cold liquor tank. If you should need more cold liquor, you can add additional fermenters, and then you know yeah. you, you can go along those lines. Um, uh, and and that's one of the things that we're doing right now is we use a, just a fermenter as a cold liquor tank. So Good okay, that's that's one way to treat it. Uh, the the HDPE uh, tanks. Uh, certainly, um, those are inexpensive. The problem with them is um, having the the water in it chilled. Because oh, you don't have a way to. I mean, they're not jacketed. It? You're right. Okay. Um, so you generally have to either run them, loop them through a heat exchanger, um, or uh, you know, put a coil in it or something in order to keep that water cold, and then. Uh, insulated as well okay. so um, that's something that can be done um, but um, can be uh, challenging in other ways all right uh, let's take a short break when we come back we'll uh, we'll get into uh, details about uh, water handling in a brewery right after this First Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 21st Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can, featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. 
Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like... Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a Brutus 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any any brewer, whether for yourself or as a gift, when you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the BrewingNetwork.com. Are you a member of the White Labs Customer Club? If not, you should be. It's the easiest way to earn free stuff for turning in your old homebrew labels from either vials or pure pitch. All you have to do is save your labels and redeem them for things like free yeast, an exclusive White Labs t-shirt or sweatshirt, and even the opportunity to brew with the yeast man himself, Chris White. Signing up is easy. Just go to whitelabs.com slash customer club, fill out the registration form, and then mail in your labels. They will return the favor by sending you awesome White Labs swag. Go sign up today at whitelabs.com slash customer club. White Labs, pure yeast and fermentation since 1995. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Check out their brand new patent-pending mash and boil 110-volt electric mashing and boiling unit. This compact all-stainless unit lets you mash, sparge, and boil just about anywhere that has a 110-volt plug. Double-wall construction adds to efficiency and safety, and a precise thermostat keeps temperatures where you want them. Unlike insulated buckets and converted coolers, multiple temperature rest mashing is easy to do, all for under 300 bucks. They also feature the Mark II Work Pump, a magnetic drive high temperature pump that does the work of pumps that cost twice as much, as well as exclusive Brewer's Edge regulators and quality Keg King kegs and disconnects. Check them out today at williamsbrewing.com to bruise their vast selection. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizer,
fertilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five Star Treatment today. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. During the break, we're talking about uh, adding more fermenters to brew more beer and uh, secondary fermentations and things like that. All right, uh, I'll tell you, if you want to ferment some great beer, I would highly recommend checking out YLabs.com, all the great strains that they got. Right. You know, their pure, pure liquid yeast packs, their uh, their pure pitch packaging technology, and the, the way that they make it yeah. uh, means that you're going to get the highest concentration of yeast in the industry. Uh, and it's all due to this flexi cell thing that they they came up with. I, I remember when when oh, yeah, he was you, first working on it. Yeah, uh, we were talking about that. That is uh, a one sterile clean room facility there where yeah. he manufactures yeah. those. Right. So you know that it's clean and uh, it's uh, healthy. Clean. It's healthy. <laughs> uh, the yeast uh, in those packs uh, it's uh, propagated in all grain wort. And provides the perfect nutrients, and so right. it's it's ready to go in your in your beer instead of something grown on molasses, right? Uh, which uh, unfortunately uh, a lot of products still are. Um, and with White Labs uh, Pure Liquid Yeast, your finished beers will meet the high quality flavor profiles that you intend to produce. Discover the White Labs difference. Visit whitelabs.com/yeastbank to find the perfect strain for your next beer. Hmm. All right, um, we were talking about. Uh, uh, yeah, we're talking about water, CLTs, HLTs, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. Um, basically, yeah, when you put in an RO system, I mean, you're right. you're putting in the the first piece of an mm-hmm. overall water handling water system. Water handling, sure, sure. And uh, so, yeah, you, you at Heretic, you've got an RO system, you said. Right. right. Um, so, we're, we're using ours mainly for providing distilled water. So... Or deionized water. We first run a water softener. Right. And then, why do we do that? Well, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's removing a lot of the minerals. It's, it's taking it down to really just sodium yeah. or potassium, depending on what kind of salts you're using. And, um, and then uh, we run that through a uh, RO system. Right. And then the RO system goes through a uh, DI bed. Uh, okay. We use a, a mixed resin bread bed. We were using uh, separate beds, uh, cation, anion, right. and the problem with that is it stank to high heaven, like like dead fish. Oh wow! Um, and I was told by the manufacturer, like, yeah, that's the way it is. You know, the mixed resin beds don't. Hmm. I'm like, ah, that's strange. But the advantage of doing separate beds is you get a much longer life out of the beds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but sense, yeah. if you go through a softener first and then you go through RO, what's hitting the DI bed is very low in uh, minerals. And you clean right you, up your, your, your DI uh, resins, which are expensive, last a lot longer. 
And yeah. so then that's contained contained in a tank. Um, they use metal tanks, but they're epoxy lined. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's another option because um, uh, they need to be pressurized for for oh. running them out on a faucet, and so right. that's why they're they're pressurized. Okay. Supposed to made HDP. Metal. Yeah. Right. And you could, and but you need a gravity feed out of it. Right. Okay. And uh, if you're storing pump, a considerable yeah. or pump it, yeah. If you're storing a considerable amount of water, it generally is on the floor. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's that's pretty much what we're doing. If you are looking for RO for uh, your commercial brewery, you need to kind of figure out um, you know, how much water you need per batch, how many right. batches you want to do you know, in a given amount of time. And uh, then you can kind of calculate back you know, what kind of size RO system you're going to need. Uh, you can kind of get ahead of the game. You can use a smaller system, a large storage tank, like John was saying, with a with a uh, HDPE, um, you know, food grade uh, water tank. tank. Yeah, and you can get those. You can get a pretty good size. You can get, I think, you know, thirty barrel for about a thousand dollars. I mean, I mean, they're not, they're they're cheap, cheap. Uh, the stand will cost you a little bit more. Or, you know, um, mm-hmm. but, earthquake uh, straps. Right, all that, all that stuff. Um, but you can uh, you know, get a larger buffer tank, and then you can just start running water into it. You know, if it takes a week to fill, but you know, uh, and uh-huh. and you've got and you're not brewing over the weekend, it can fill back up over the weekend, and you use it down during the week, and then it fills up over the weekend and fills overnight and things like that. Um, there's 24 hours in a day the RO system will run, and it right. can even run while you're you're drawing water off. Um, but, uh, you know, that's one of the factors to consider. Also consider that the RO flow rate will often drop uh, over time. So you need to... You As the memories on, clog. Yeah, yeah, you can't count on full efficiency of the RO system at all times. Okay. Uh, it also fluctuates depending on uh, uh, city water pressure. If you have low city water pressure, you're going to need a booster pump. Okay. Uh, the higher the pressure, I believe, the more efficient an RO system is. Right. So the rejection amount, the, the amount that's going down the, the drain uh, versus the amount of clear water you're getting out, the higher the pressure is, the better uh, that the yield better is. That ratio okay. Is. Right. Um, because it can squeeze more of the pure water across the membrane. As long as you're not surpassing the pressure that the membrane's rated to, uh, <laughs> you're, you're good on that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so the water softener ahead of the RO system mm-hmm. takes out a lot of the, the heavy ions mm-hmm. that would reduce the life of the membrane or, or mm-hmm. it'll clog the membrane if you right, will right and uh so that helps link uh, mm-hmm. improve the life of the membrane and i guess probably reduce the working pressure of the membranes right that right. they experience yeah. yeah um another thing about ro systems is there are membranes that can handle chlorine and membranes that can't uh-huh. and uh you got to decide if you want to uh, you know, like a carbon filter right before the RO system, or you want to run chlorinated through it. Um, right. The advantage of the chlorine is that it keeps uh, contamination down. Right. But if it's going it only being used in uh, in you know the mash, the boil, things like that, it doesn't really matter how sanitary it is generally. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's uh, not much left over to uh, 
really to uh, for the bacteria or whatever to attack and turn into acid or anything like that. Right. Good. Good point. Good point. So, um, I mean, for let's say a, a ten barrel batch, mm-hmm. a, you know, standard batch size or a brew plant size, would you want a, a CLT that's also ten barrels, or do you want it fifteen or twenty? Well, again, that depends on how many batches you want to run and whether you want chilled cold liquor. Ah. Um, one of the things we do is we chill our cold liquor to a consistent temperature so that every time we run, um, we're using the same amount of cold liquor okay. uh, to cool to a given given point. Um Consistent cooling. Consistent then. cooling. If you're if you're just counting on ambient temperature, that's going to change from time to time. You can do that, but um, the amount of cold liquor you're going to use is going to change batch to batch, and that can be problematic because right. what you're trying to do is balance the amount of cold liquor you use to the amount of hot liquor you need for your next batch. If you um, and ideally, the temperature. If you um, use a lot more cold liquor for one batch, you may overflow your hot liquor reservoir. Uh. <laughs> if you don't produce enough, then you have to add cold water to your hot liquor tank and then heat that up, and it, it can Takes delay longer. things. Yeah. Right. Uh, what is that? Fuller's, uh, doing a, a batch with them, they actually have a system on their paraflow, which it's trying to balance out the amount of cold liquor needed to chill the batch and versus the amount and the the temperature of the wort that they want in the oh, fermenter right the amount of wort and then the uh amount of hot liquor they want ready to go for their next batch and the temperature so ideally you run your cold liquor through at a rate and it's at a temperature that uh, chills your wort down to the temperature you want, and you end up with ideally the right amount of hot liquor at the right temperature to go on your next batch. Nice. That's the goal. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, the hot liquors are just a little bit shy of where you want, um, uh, but you know, you've you've got heating on that, and you know, you're you're pretty much ready to go anyways. So we keep our hot liquor at like uh, one seventy, one eighty. Okay, and then the the cold liquor going through the heat exchanger it tends to come in, you know, uh, around that or a little less, and then it blends in. But you know, it's still adequate for uh, the next the next mash. Yeah. So we're able to do another mash um, about every two hours. Oh. Okay. So we need yeah. you know about forty barrels of water per batch batch every two hours. And so, you have a, a thirty barrel system. It's thirty seven ish, thirty five ish. It's custom built from uh, AAA in Oregon. Okay, and so we made it to our size specifications. So our our hot liquor tank is about ninety barrels, okay. and that's just enough to do another batch every you know a couple hours. Oh, so like forty and forty. Right. Okay. Right. And um, you know, while you're boiling everything else, you're, you're heating up your next batch of, of hot liquor. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. You're, you've, you've got this whole cycle going. Our cold liquor tank, we're using a 120 barrel fermenter, so it holds about 147 barrels of water, and then that's like all chilled. Um, right. Okay. And we just continually top that up. Okay. So you've got essentially 
four times your batch size in your cold liquor tank. Because right. it takes what, longer to cool it down than to heat it up. Ah, uh, ah, uh, good point. Hadn't thought of that. And and a lot of homebrewers are thinking, well, how does this apply to me? Um, so when I wanted to brew a bunch on a weekend, I would do back-to-back batches. The, all the equipment's hot. You can start your next mash while there's there's wort boiling. Um, right. And what you do is, uh, you know, save that when you when you chill your beer, you use water that you can, uh, you know, be used in your next dough in, and you save that water into a container, and then you use that for your next dough in, and your your water is, you know, already hot. Yeah. And you yeah. save yourself a ton of time off of that. Yeah. Oh, it can take it can take a good hour to heat up uh, right. five barrels, five gallons, or ten gallons of water. Depending on your burner size, yeah, I, you know, I was homebrewing. I could do another batch in just a couple of hours, all green batch. Yeah, it just added a couple hours instead of at, you know a six-hour day. You know, yeah, it's an eight-hour day, but now I've got two batches, so right. each batch only cost me four hours instead of one batch cost me six hours. And if you if you got the uh, the strength and the willpower, you can. <laughs> I did a you know some triple batch days or quadruple batch wow. days. But, you know, it's it's a couple hours each time. But at the end of, you know, a 12-hour brew day or a 13-hour brew day, I had four batches of, of beer. Um, so, uh, you know, saving that uh, that cold liquor or the hot liquor that comes out um, can speed up your day. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, most I've ever done is just two double-batch days. Right. Yeah, not <laughs> three or four. Wow. Um. So uh, that can be uh, you know a significant time saver, and in a in a commercial brewery, it saves a lot of energy. Oh yes. So you're you're retaining that heat that you've you spent money on to get things hot. You're capturing it again in the liquid that's going to be used for a follow-on batch. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So. Um so we talked about size. Um, now your heat exchanger, um, of course, is the the pivot point for this system. Mm-hmm. I mean, where you're running everything, um, the the cold liquor supplies the cold side to the heat exchanger, mm-hmm. and uh, then becomes hot liquor. Mm-hmm. Um, any any sizing considerations on the the heat exchanger? Does it change? Does that necessarily change uh, with the, the the use of a cold liquor tank versus say, you know, supply water? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hmm. Let, let's uh, let's do this. Let's first talk about grog tank. Ah, very good. <laughs> <laughs> Grog Tag is your one-stop homebrew customization shop. They have it all from reusable beer and wine labels to durable metal signs to high-quality coasters, and everything is customizable. Imagine having your own coasters at your yeah. at your uh, your little bar in your garage. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, Joe's Garage. There you go. So get creative over on grogtag.com with one of our hundreds of templates, and we'll print it on high-quality materials and ship it out to you. It's easy. Check out grogtag.com today and use the code BN Army to save 10% on your next order. That's at grogtag.com. Use the offer code BN Army. Yeah, cool stuff. 
And, uh, you know, you could have all this trouble of uh, making your beer. Why put it in, uh, you know, some uh, janky package? Right. You know, a label, nice label. Make, and uh, nice. They, they make some awesome ones, and they've got those templates to make it easy. All right. Uh, let's take a short break. When we come back, I will talk about uh, the, um, heat the heat exchanger and how that's sized and how that all uh, plays into all of this. We'll be back right after this. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature March pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanishev, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of Citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. Brewing Great Beer is a process of continuous learning, and the best books on every aspect of brewing can be found at Brewers Publications. With more than 50 awesome titles like Modern Homebrew Recipes by Gordon Strong, Designing Great Beers, The Ultimate Guide to Brewing Classic Beer Styles by Ray Daniels, American Sour Beers, Innovative Techniques for Mixed Fermentations by Michael Tonsmeyer, For the Love of Hops, The Practical Guide to Aroma, Bitterness, and the Culture of Hops by Stan Hieronymus and Radical Brewing Recipes, Tales, and World Altering Meditations in a Glass by Randy Mosher, plus many, many more. These are the books and the authors with the knowledge to push your brewing farther than you thought possible. And you'll find them all at fine homebrew and book retailers everywhere. And visit the website at BrewersPublications.com Brewers Publications All the best on beer and brewing. 
you work in retail sales, the restaurant industry, or are a new craft beer enthusiast, or you know someone who is, you have got to check out Beer 101. Beer 101 is an online course created for anyone wanting a quick introduction to the vast world of craft beer. Beer 101 covers the history of beer, brewing ingredients and processes, vital stats like ABV, SRM, IBU and gravity, styles, tasting, glassware, and pairing beer with food. The Beer 101 course is offered by the Brewers Association at craftbeer.com, also home to the truly awesome Beer Style Finder, a visual guide to every beer style. Quickly play with color, bitterness, and alcohol content to interactively explore the entire world of beer styles with a gorgeously designed interface to your favorite beverage. The new Beer 101 course and new Beer Style Finder are only available at craftbeer.com. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of American beer. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. A little pee break, some beers. Beer. And we're ready. We're ready to go. Uh, uh, I want to tell you before we before we rock, it's uh, coming up on time to renew your membership or uh, get yeah. yourself an AHM membership. HA does lots of great things to uh, help homebrewing and produce a lot of materials and uh, advocate for homebrewers. So it uh, behooves you to support them as well. And you can use the offer code BN2018 at thebrewingnetwork.com to uh, get yourself some free books while you're uh, signing up. You sign up and you can choose uh, between Wild Brews and Farmhouse Sales, and I think they even have Brewing Classic Styles as part of this offer. I'm not 100% sure, but check it out at thebrewingnetwork.com. Use that offer code BN2018 to get your free book while you sign up today. All right, uh, where were we? We're, oh, we're talking about the, how the heat exchanger uh, kind of wraps in. So obviously, yeah. the yeah, you're like, like you're saying the cold liquor uh, goes through one side of the heat exchanger. We use plate heat exchangers, and then the uh, hot wort's coming through the other side, and you get hot water out. Yeah. So how, before you go on, how is a a heat exchanger sized in terms of gallons per minute? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing, a flow rate. Right, so uh, there's a few websites that will tell you. I think Thermaline has a site. Thermaline is a very common uh, heat exchanger in breweries these days. Okay. Uh, and they have a site that will tell you how many plates you need, the size of the plates. So the size of the plates, uh, you know, are, are part of flow and back pressure. Right. You know, the bigger the plates, the, um, the, the less back pressure you have at a given flow. So whatever rate you want to be able to traveling through there is determined by kind of the size of the plates. Yeah. Now, of um, course, Porno Steve is an expert on back pressure. Back <laughs> pressure? Sure. Oh, I wrote the book on it. Yeah. Right. There you go. There you go. Um, but the number of plates is also has an effect on that and, and also um, is uh, determinative of uh, what kind of chilling you're going to get. Um, you know, you can you can keep adding plates to a point where it doesn't matter, and um, you know the the two liquids have fully exchanged temperatures. Right. Nothing. Nothing additional is happening. Right. Nothing additional is happening. Um, and then you can trim it down to where well, it's it's cheaper and it's. Uh, <laughs> 
you know, flowing faster, but you're not quite capturing all the heat. Uh, so these things will, will help you size it. What we target is about, um, tends to be about a barrel a minute. So okay. you're also sizing this based on how much wort you have and how long you want it to take to knock out. If it's taking forever to knock out and it's two hours to transfer your batch over, right. Obviously, things are happening in the whirlpool that you don't want to have happen using, you know, continuing um, isomerization, isomerization and, and volatiles being driven off of, you know, maybe whirlpool hopping, something like that. Um, and just tying up equipment. You need to be able to brew again. If you oversize the thing, then it's like, well, you've just spent money that you didn't really need to spend. Uh. And in a brewery, there's not excess money. Um so you want to size it. We size it around a barrel a minute. So it takes about 35 minutes to, to knock out okay. a batch. We run it about a barrel a minute. We can run it probably two barrels a minute if we wanted, but that's excessively fast. And you get a corresponding loss in differential? No. no I mean, we would... We would uh, either increase the flow of the the cooling water or we could decrease the temperature of the cooling water um it's kind of a balancing act there's the other thing that we're doing at that time is adding oxygen and so if you're running really fast it's harder to get the oxygen dissolved so we're we're trying to time that out measure our oxygen downstream we're trying to flow at a uh, you know, and the rate that we've come up with, that seems to work with us, and a lot of breweries about a barrel a minute. Okay, good. So uh, that's kind of how you need to look at sizing it. Okay. Um, hmm. <laughs> so let's see, CLT. Right, roughly twice the batch size. No, CLT is your your CLT is roughly four times four to four to yeah four plus times yeah the batch size. Now, do you think what what's the minimum two? Yeah, it depends on again if if how many batches a day you want to batches a day, and if you want to chill it. So right. one of the reasons that we hold so much cold liquor is because we want to chill it, and it takes you know overnight or more to get it down to the temperature that we want. Okay. So that's why we're continuously filling it and chilling it at the same time. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that kind of buffers the, uh, you know, the need, mm-hmm. um, since it can take quite a while to get it down. Yeah. Now, if you were doing a, one of those on-demand water heater systems like mm-hmm. a lot of small breweries do, right? Um, how how big do you think you'd need the uh, the CLT? Would you need both CLT and HLT? Um, that is, you know, add, store water in the CLT from an RO system mm-hmm. and then heat it up and add it to the HLT and then add minerals there. But that would be a way that would, would work, you think? Or would you? Right. Um, I'm not sure how you'd use a on-demand with a hot liquor tank. One of the reasons people do the on-demand is so they can get rid of a hot liquor tank. Right. That's one less vessel. The hot liquor tanks tend to be expensive because they need to be metal. They need to be stainless to handle yeah. the heat. They need to be heated in some way. They need to be insulated. Right. So hot liquor tank can, can run you quite a bit of money. Okay. Um, with, and you'll also need some way of heating that, which is often a boiler or okay. electric elements on a small one. 
um, and then you need you know the utilities and all that versus just a, a, you know a, a hot exchanger. So breweries that use on demand um, tend to just dump the the cold the cooling water down the drain. Okay. They don't collect it, so they're losing the energy there. So it tends to be something for a lot of smaller breweries. I think you could, uh, you know, add a hot liquor tank, collect it, and then run that through the heat, the on demand as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think you know that can take the place of a boiler. That um, would help, yeah. Right, yeah. but then you still need some way to fire the kettle. Um, so that's why yeah. it, it tends to be a certain way. Doesn't necessarily mean that's the only way to do it. Yeah. The reason I ask is I've run into several breweries that have had one of those on-demand water heaters. Um, they sometimes they have high minerals that they're dealing with, and they don't have a way to you know to treat that to take the take the alkalinity out, um, or you know they they heat their their water. It all goes in the mash tun. They're adding all their mineral adjustments or acid adjustments to the mash tun, mm-hmm. um, and you know, depending on how they've when, when they've added the grain and so on. Um, yeah, they're they're they don't know how to incorporate that on-demand heater system into their water adjustment. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, we could put a we could put a you know poly tank ahead of the uh, uh, of the right. on-demand. And maybe do some water adjustments there. Right. Sure. Yeah. Well, and you could you could use a ambient water tank, um, and if you don't want two, I mean, you could just use it as cold liquor. Um, I mean, if you can get enough water out of the out of the the tap, so. Part of the problem, you know, and the reason we need a cold liquor tank is that the city water won't flow fast enough to chill. To chill. Oh, okay. Right. Um, y- you're you're limited to even with the two inch pipe we got coming in. Um, you know, we've got that ratcheted down to about three quarter or one inch. Uh-huh. Um, that would probably do it, but it's not cold enough. It comes in sometimes like sixty eight degrees. Okay. That's what we want to get down to, so we need some chilling. We could go with a a, a, a split heat exchanger where one pa- part mm-hmm. of the pack is cooled by glycol and one part is cooled by water. That's another common thing, so you can avoid oh, right. a cold liquor tank. Right. Um, for a lot of these smaller breweries, they can get away with just using tap water for cooling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, then, what do you uh, what, what temperature in the cooling water do you need? For us, we're 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 holding at uh, 50, fifty Fahrenheit. Okay, so I think that's ten Celsius. Ten, 10 C, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and that allows us to knock out just about the right amount of water, um, uh, hot into the hot liquor okay. tank for the next batch. Okay. So barrel a minute of Wort's coming out, and about a barrel, barrel and a half of water's going through. Okay, in the other direction. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you could, um, you know, you could collect up your RO water, treat it with minerals, yeah, and then pump it through a, uh, a, a HL uh, uh, on-demand heater. Right. Sure. Okay. Sure. Some water. Yeah, I think that that would work well. Mm-hmm. 
and that might be the best bet for somebody that needs to treat their water doesn't have a need for um you know cold liquor storage but they could also do a separate cold liquor tank but then you need you know multiple tanks right yeah yeah so it's, it's when they look into probably the the costs of the stainless steel tanks mm-hmm. versus uh and the need to chill them uh versus a, a poly tank right yeah. depends on you know where you're at like you know again the the example of the brewery in canada Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they have colder, you know, Ground water one. there. Yeah. yeah. So that might be not an issue there. Right. Yeah. As opposed to, say, the Philippines where it's 90. Right. In the Philippines, <laughs> you probably need a cold liquor tank or a glycol pack. Yeah. The problem with using all glycol is that uh, then you have to upsize your your system to handle that giant blast of heat at once. Uh, so glycol systems are designed to chill, you know, slowly low and, uh, low lower and slow. lower the, the temperature down and um, over time. And so it keeps this cold reservoir and you gently take out, you know, uh, cooling <laughs> capacity and you put back some heat uh, over time as your fermenters warm up and you're battling, uh, you know, fermentation heat. Um, and then if you put in a giant slug of of boiling glycol back in you'll overwhelm everything and then your your fermentation temperatures kind of get get screwy as well right so that's why people tend not to use all glycol they tend to knock it down with water first okay and then they'll take off the last five or ten degrees with With, uh pure glycol glycol okay that makes sense yeah and those if you have a a uh, pack a uh heat exchanger pack that exists you can actually split it into you can buy the 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 split plate that um essentially in the pieces to turn it into you know a split pack with half by color you know usually it's it's about you know two thirds water and one third glycol, or three quarters water, one one quarter glycol plates. Oh, so you can you can kind of add yeah, that on can, afterwards, yeah. right? And you you know if you have that, you can actually move plates from one side to the other. You go, I need more glycol. Oh, <laughs> you nice. Move it to, to the glycol side, or yeah. oh, I need less glycol. You move it to the water side. Oh, nice. Okay, I didn't realize that. So, um, that's kind of you know there's so many little things that go into kind of sizing this all and making it all work and it depends on like you're saying environmental conditions yeah um yeah. you know the the brew plant you know how many vessel how many turns a day they want to do right some of these brewers are like no nah, i'm just doing one a day i'm like you know think you want to do a second one <laughs> Yeah. You know, that's where a brewery becomes efficient is when you're doing multiple turns. Yeah. The most efficient is when you no, don't shut the brew plant off. It's running 24-7. 24-7. Um, you have to shut down sometimes, but, you know, the more you can keep it running, the more efficient it is. And the yeah. more, the less the beer is costing you at that point. I see. That's a good point. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's really interesting. That's uh little little different than our usual uh, shows but i think that right right <laughs> well and uh you know like i said this applied uh when i was home brewing mm-hmm. um you know in the summer and the water got bad i would just uh take a food grade like trash can liner mm-hmm. and just uh, the little tiniest ro system that you can buy you know cheap at, at home, depot. home depot i think at the time was like 60 bucks or 70 bucks or you get on sale for 59 yeah and then i'd let it run 
overnight or, you know, for a couple of days yeah. and collect it all up in there. And then I would uh, use that, heat that water up and treat it with minerals. And that would become my, my, uh, yeah. my mash and my strike water. And then I would do my batch and then, um, chill with it. I would, I would use that water for, for chilling. It would come out hot and I'd collect it and, uh, adjust it and get the next batch. Use right. that for the next batch. Nice. And so, um, it really speeds up your brew day as a homebrew. If you need to produce a lot of beer, competition seasons coming up or yeah. whatever it might be, you got a big beer party, yeah. you're the Huda checks and you need 40 beers <laughs> on at your Oktoberfest. Um, you know, this is a way to, to knock it out much more quickly. If you don't have to keep setting up in boiling water, if it's coming out hot already, uh, you save yourself a ton of time. Um, all right. We need one more short break, and when we come back, we'll wrap up talking about uh, water handling and uh, RO and things like that at the brewery right after this. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature March pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, More Beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Learning to brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're talking about uh, water handling in the in the brewery, and uh, I think you know you got to. I, I think you got to look at it as kind of a, a whole design, and I think right whole system. Yeah, it's it's not given the attention that it, it 
it needs when people are setting up breweries. Right. They don't even look at you know the water line coming into the building. I've I've seen breweries where they got yeah. like I got a half inch water line in the into the building and it's not enough water. It's like yeah, you should have thought of that before you signed the lease on that place. You know, and right. and what they end up having to do is put in a you know buffer tank. Oh yeah. And uh, hold a bunch of water and then pump it because the city water can't keep up and you got to get ahead of the game and you know let it fill up when you're not brewing yeah because getting a new water line from the city is major expense and and sometimes the city is unable to provide it people Uh people put their breweries in the stupidest places where the cities you know can't handle the water needs can't handle the uh, discharge discharge that's really common. I think going back to what you were saying about like the most efficient way of running a brewery is running it 24-7. Mm-hmm. So if you do something like that, where you have a half-inch water line and you right. need to run a buffer tank, then you don't yeah, even have the option right. to run it 24-7. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so it can, be, it can be a real problem. You have to kind of think all these things through. Yeah, if you're if you're designing a brewery, if you're setting up a brewery, if you're you know looking at equipment, you got to say, well, here's the amount of beer I need to brew. Um, so I was, I was talking with a friend of mine about uh, uh, you know possibly setting up a, a a brew pub somewhere, and you know the the, the question is, you know, we're talking about how much uh, you know what size equipment to go in there, and they had a, a spec on the amount of equipment. I'm like, well. All right, so you've got a restaurant there with a number of seats, and you need to figure out how much beer you need to sell in that restaurant to make that a going concern. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of your minimum. And if the brew plant can't provide that, then you're kind of in trouble. Right. So you need to make sure it's sized to that, but it also needs to be sized to what if that does really well? What's your backup plan? How are you going to expand it? You know, so what size, how many brews are you going to do? You don't want to make too big a brewery. Because then you're doing a turn and you're waiting, a turn and you're waiting, and your you know beer's getting old. It needs yeah. to be small enough so the beer's fresh, so you have variety. Um, it's you know, but it needs to be big enough so you can keep you know producing the beers you need to produce. Good point. Yeah, yeah. Brewing is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> well, the brewing part is. <laughs> it's the design and all the other you and know. Well, the business, business yeah. the business of brewing sucks. Yeah. You know, it's nice when you can call upon our good friend John Blickman to get a free brew easy system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> generous, the generous and God's smiling, look up, smiling smile like upon the me. cat that ate the uh, dildo. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. take a good two years to actually get around to using it. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> wrong. Well, you know, it's used it, I used it pretty, pretty. Pretty he, soon after. Yeah. He probably had to put each fire brick in his underwear and climb up the ladder to get <laughs> them all on the roof. Is that what happened? No. Oddly enough, it did take a long time to actually find the fire brick uh-huh. anywhere. Uh-huh. Home Depot didn't have it. Lowe's didn't have it. Uh-huh. Any hardware store in San Francisco or South San Francisco did not have it. I had to go to this. This fire's outlawed in San Francisco. I, I guess probably That's at this why point. why you need to hide. <laughs> <laughs> need to make can't a little, have, little can't have fire, little fake wall, <laughs> right? It's like yeah. to escape from Alcatraz. You need like uh, plaster masks and uh, fake walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. Festival permit. San yeah, Francisco right. is wonderful, but they do have some pretty, pretty bizarre regulations at times. Yeah. All right. Um, I think a 
pretty much wraps that up. All right. Yeah. yeah good show. If you're listening live, stay tuned. We're going to we're gonna do a third. Woo-hoo. We we're haven't been drinking that much. So Three in a row. I think it'll be a good one. Uh, and we're going to have a lot of fun talking about, I think, uh, uh, fermentation temps or all questions about kettles. I'm not really sure. Sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll make sure it's not again. Whatever it is, uh, thank your sponsors for, uh, or our sponsors, or also your sponsors. That's right. Uh, for paying for the show so you don't have to, especially like uh, Blickman Engineering. Check them out, BlickmanEngineering.com. A lot of great equipment. And John Blickman is paying for the show, so you can download it for free. I know sometimes the uploads of the shows are a little sketchy, but <laughs> we've done every episode. We haven't canceled the show. As long as John Blickman's paying for it, we'll continue to do it. But he's only going to pay for it if you email him at feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com and tell him that you appreciate it, and then he'll keep cutting the check, and we'll keep doing the show. That's right. All right. Until then, everybody, Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong, everyone. 